You can open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 19, verse 11. Acts chapter 19, verse 11. The sermon today uh, involves people getting healed with a handkerchief and magicians burning spell books that in today's dollars would be worth $16 million and seven guys get demolished in a fight with a demon. I think that's all the introduction we need. Would you agree? You're telling me that's what we're covering today? Exorcisms, the paranormal, miracles, healings? Here we go. These are topics that people still want to learn about today. There are movies made about exorcisms and ghosts and hauntings, and there are constantly on the TV healers promising that they can fix whatever it is that you're facing. We're actually pretty obsessed and consumed with both fictional entertainment and people who claim to be able to impact the spiritual realm. Over it all, I want you to be thinking today, what we're learning in all of these crazy things we're hearing, what we're learning about the person and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, this sermon today is about the person and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we do lift your name on high. Today we are going to see unbelievable demonstrations of your power, Jesus. We pray that you would help us to learn and discover exactly who you are, where you are, and what you are doing. Show us how that applies to our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Okay. Well, in Acts chapter 19, verse 11, we are in the city of Ephesus. And we learned that this city is the base for the third missionary journey. So here in the city of Ephesus, the base for the third missionary journey, we are going to see exactly what it is that the Lord Jesus Christ is doing. Remember the purpose Luke is writing, his purpose in writing is to show us Jesus is alive and therefore we should go and tell everyone. That's what all the narrative is about. Jesus is alive and we should go and tell everyone. So here, here we are in Acts chapter 19 verse 11. Here's what it says. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Write this down, number one. Miracles authenticated the message and the messengers of Jesus. Miracles authenticated the message and the messengers of Jesus. Note in verse 11 it says, and what's the second word there? And who? And what does it say there? Help me out. And say a little louder. And who was doing the miracles? Right. So Paul wasn't a magical man, was he? Was Paul a magical man? Did he discover some vortex that gave him some energy force? Did he have some crystal that he could use to wheel? Was it, who was it again that's doing all this? Say it with me. God. He's the power of God. He was doing extraordinary miracles. Now there's miracles. And apparently there's next level miracles. That's what's going on here. Understand that miracles are miraculous. Some people are very confused about this. They try to make the supernatural otherworldly in every moment experience. 
that fundamentally goes against what a miracle really is. Miracles are truly acts of God, exceptional. They're miracles because they don't happen. And therefore, these are extraordinary, rare, unbelievable, unprecedented acts of God. And it says, by the hands of Paul. Divine intervention, wonder-working power through Paul. Where is the power and the presence of God found? This tent maker who's got a sweatband around his head, apron, working with tents by day, preaching the gospel over nap time, we found out last week, in the middle of the day. This tent maker, do you see the contrast? This tent maker, who's laboring to spread a gospel message, treated like garbage, almost killed in many cities, this, this is where the mighty power of God is located. Do you see the contrast? It's amazing. That's why the Bible says we have this all-surpassing power in jars of clay. That's what you are. That's what you are. That's what I am. We're just jars of clay. That's what it means to be human. But we can actually somehow have the almighty power of God within us. And this power was found in the Apostle Paul, and this power was found in the Church of Christ. Miracles authenticated the message and the messengers of Jesus Right away, there are some who would say, that's it, you lost me. I don't believe in miracles. Here's what I would say. If there is a God, then miracles are possible. And rationally speaking, it is that simple. If there is a God, you have no reason to rule out miracles. It, it can be irrational, you can have a bias, but if there is a God, miracles are possible. And it is that sound, and it is that simple. So, miracles authenticated the message and the messengers of Christ. Write this down. We learned that God's power flows through the Lord Jesus Christ. God's power flows through the Lord Jesus Christ. We find that later in verse 17 that everyone knew the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. This power was flowing through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's power, therefore, and this is the purpose of all the miracles in the New Testament, was flowing through Jesus. In other words, through the miracles, we learn exactly who Jesus was. That's a really good question for you to answer before we continue on here. In fact, that's the most important question you will ever answer in your entire life. Your eternity, where you will be 10,000 years from now, hinges on the answer to this question. Who is Jesus? Right now, everyone in this room and everyone online has an answer to that question. Who is Jesus? Does your answer line up with what we find in Scripture? God's power flows through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's clear in this text and in all the book of Acts and in all of the Gospels that miracles prove that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Jesus is the Son of God who came down into the world and the mighty acts prompt us to believe in him. That's what miracles are there for. God's power 
flows through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus did many miracles in his life. He had power over nature. What did he do to the storm? He rebuked it. And if I went out there right now and said, get out of here, I want a little sunshine today, would the storm listen to me? No, because storms don't care what you have to say. But when Jesus said, peace be still, not only the storm, the wind, the waves obeyed him. The waves obeyed him. Lake Michigan ain't listening to you. When that sea heard the voice of Jesus Christ, it did what it was told. Folks, that's power. Jesus had power over nature. He had power over disease. It didn't matter what the person had when they came to Jesus. They all went away healed. They all went away healed. This is where we have to be really careful, and I'm going to caution you throughout the sermon to beware. Because there are people today who still claim to have power on par with the apostles or Jesus himself. Until they can go to a hospital and empty it all out, they're lying to you. Until everyone who comes to them gets healed by their hands and walks away, they're doing nothing compared to what we read in Scripture, and they're trying to deceive you. Understand the mighty, miraculous power of the miracles of Jesus Christ. They are unprecedented today. God's power flows through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus had power over demons. He told them to leave, and they shrieked and begged for mercy because they knew he had the power to throw them in hell. And there are some demons in hell right now. They're locked up, and they are not free to leave. They knew that the power of Christ was that strong, and they begged him for mercy. Jesus had power over nature, demons, disease, and even death. When Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, death had to let its captive go. Do you understand the all-surpassing power found in the Lord Jesus Christ? What a name. What a name. God's power flows through the Lord Jesus Christ. But do you understand the purpose of all of these miracles? Mark 16, 20 makes it clear. We'll put that up on the screen. Here's what it says. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed, listen, confirmed the message by accompanying signs. You have to understand that the purpose of miracles was a secondary, secondary witness to the message and the messenger of Jesus Christ. They're not even primary. They're not even necessary. And get this, they didn't always work. People saw the wonders and the miracles and they were still like, meh, I don't believe. That's why they are secondary, not primary. So God's power flows through the Lord Jesus Christ. And this, the, the miracles and the signs that we see are meant to authenticate Jesus is the Christ, his messengers are reliable, and you should believe he's alive. That's the purpose. Write this down. Healings and exorcisms are rare, and they prove Jesus is Lord. They're rare, and they prove Jesus is Lord. It says here that they were extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. This is unbelievable and kind of humorous. 
I would imagine demons are pretty wicked, pretty tough, no nonsense. And I'm kind of imagining a demon like looking out the window like, who's this joker coming up on the front porch and what is he holding? What is it? What is it? What is it? It's, it's, it's a hanky! Paul's handkerchief made demons leave. This is like really hilarious and also pretty terrifying that there really are demons and that somehow so effortlessly Paul can stay on the job and some runner can go and get the job done. This is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Healings and exorcisms are rare and they prove that Jesus is Lord. Let's talk about healings. So because we're human, we're prone to get sick. We might get sick because of nature. We're just out in the wrong place, breathing the wrong air. We might get sick because of folly or ignorance. We didn't know that some substance could make us sick. Sometimes, uh, because healings also apply to disabilities, we could have birth defects, right? All of us have certain defaults that remind us that we are crumbling, right? We are dust. And we have those defaults that show us that we are human. So it's amazing when healings happen, and it kind of gives us hope. Like, can that happen to me? Which also ties into, why did this happen to me? People try to ask the question, did I do something wrong? Am I being punished? Or is there a demonic force making me or someone I love sick? The spiritual and the physical realm uh, intersect. So people have a lot of questions about this. Understand that most of the time when you get sick, it's natural. It's just because you live in a fallen world. God didn't get mad at you. He didn't, he didn't push the button that says, I'm going to give this person this thing. Unless you have a reason, a direct reason, to feel like you're being punished, you know, then you should just assume this is natural. I live in a fallen world, and therefore I have to endure a lot of suffering. You shouldn't assume that there's some demon who's making you sick or oppressing you. Um, if it's just natural. This is something that God has allowed in your life. The apostles said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither. This happened that the work of God might be displayed in his life. It is probably that simple for you. This happened that the work of God might be displayed in your life. So you don't always have to overthink it. You're not probably being punished. You're not probably being spiritually oppressed. You live in a natural fallen world, and this is what it means to be human. Thankfully, the Bible addresses sickness. Routinely, as a rule, what people who are sick should do is they should go to their elders, according to James, they should go to their elders and they should ask to be prayed over and anointed with oil, especially if you have something big coming up like a surgery. You, go to, you don't go find a healer, you go find an elder. And you say, I want you to pray over me, I'm bringing this before the Lord. Then you have at your disposal the scripture of God, which can encourage you. You can pray, you can fast, you can get other people to pray, you can get other people to fast. Does God still heal? Are there stories, even in this room, of miracles happening? Absolutely. Absolutely. But let's think clearly on sickness and healings. Healings are rare, and therefore you shouldn't demand it. If you don't get healed, you're not lacking faith. They're rare, which means they don't happen. So you, li- you leave it to the Lord, and you say, not my will, but yours be done. Think clearly about this, because if you're not thinking clearly, you can get all spiritually messed up. Thinking that you're still sick because you lack faith. Well, that's not true. Thinking you're still sick because some spiritual force is oppressing you. Probably not. Well, maybe I didn't fast enough, and you put all this guilt on yourself, and 
maybe you're not thinking clearly about sickness. And I would hate for you in this passage to walk away and then to go and see that faith healer on TV who's selling his magic handkerchief for $99.99. If you want to give him money, he'll send you his handkerchief. I would hate for you to be deceived in wrong thinking about sickness and healing. Healings and exorcisms are rare, and they prove Jesus is Lord. Therefore, that should be nailed down in your heart. Wow, Jesus is Lord over my suffering and my sickness. I trust him no matter how he decides to treat me. I trust him no matter how he decides to treat me. So don't lose heart. And when it comes to being sick or encountering trouble, don't automatically think that there's a demon behind every problem. Okay, there are some times where a demon does cause physical illness or disability in the Bible. There are other times when he doesn't. It's very rare. Because the spiritual and the physical realm intersect, demons are opportunistic. If there is something in your life that's a weakness, they will try to exploit it. That doesn't mean they're causing it. But there are times in the scripture where it is directly demonic. But remember, that's incredibly rare. Sometimes when people face troubles in life, they automatically think it's Satan. Car dies, Satan. Kid pukes, Satan. Roof leaks, Satan's at it again. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you're giving him too much credit. So be careful not to over-spiritualize everything. And follow the biblical pattern of thought and life. If you have sickness, go to your elders, ask them to pray for you, to be anointed with oil, ask others to pray for you, and then leave it with God. Let's talk about exorcisms. Demons exist, that should terrify you. Demons exist, and they should, that should terrify you. They can possess people, that should terrify you. You or your loved ones, what it means to be human is we are incredibly vulnerable to evil beings in the spiritual realm who are far more greater, far more great and glorious than you could ever imagine. If you think of them as like horror movie creatures with horns, yeah, but Satan masquerades as a what? of light. So you're not really thinking clearly. It's very rare for a demon um, to, as we'll see in a moment, talk, right? But it says through the Apostle Paul, evil spirits came out of them. This is very rare. And beware um, those who claim to be able to wield a spiritual power to heal you on demand or exercise a demon. I showed you this video before, but Benny Hinn is one of the world traveler healers exorcists, right? Here's a video of him doing his work. Check it out. Yeah, let's not fall for that nonsense. Amen? All right, don't go to a place where you think someone has the force, that they're able to command the spiritual realm. That's all nonsense, okay? Healings and exorcisms are rare, and they prove Jesus is Lord. Beware those who want your money. Benny Hinn has no verified healings. None. None. And he's made hundreds of millions of dollars. Don't fall for magic hankies. And don't feel like, based on what you're hearing here, man, I wish, I wish I could have a sign. I need a sign. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. Oh my goodness, Jesus is amazing. Oh my goodness, Jesus is amazing. And I've got him. I don't need a sign. I've got him. I've got him. I've got him. Wow. 
Number one, miracles authenticated the message and messengers of Jesus. God's power flows through the Lord Jesus Christ. Healings and exorcisms are rare. They prove Jesus is Lord. Write this down. Miracles gave great evidence that Jesus is alive. Miracles gave great evidence that Jesus is alive. This was a special time where the Messiah came and his apostles were going forth in his name. This has never been repeated since this era on earth. But people are being fooled today into thinking they can go chase miracles. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Be amazed by the Lord Jesus Christ and be convinced that the wonder-working power demonstrated here through the Apostle Paul is right here, right now. That's the Lord. Number two, write this down. Without Jesus, you're spiritually powerless. Number one, miracles authenticated the message and the messengers of Jesus. Number two, without Jesus, you're spiritually powerless. Here comes a story of contrast. Paul's working on the tent, and he like grabs a student from the youth ministry. Here, take this. Go get the job done. And it worked. Now, here's a contrast. It says in verse 13, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, Whoa, who are these guys? Itinerant Jewish exorcists. Undertook, so this is their job. This, this is apparently what they do. Some Jews would travel, and their job would be to get rid of spirits. They'd make their money this way. They undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus who Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. Wow. So seven, let's call them big guns, come to town. They're sons of a high priest. We don't know if they're claiming this or if it's true. They're in the high priestly family, but they claim to be somebodies. It would be known that, you know, if you're going to go do battle with these spirits and demons, you need to invoke powerful names, right? And what more powerful name is there than the name of the Jewish God if they knew the Old Testament? Jews were not free to speak the name of God, but perhaps the sons of the high priest were. And they're now adding to their repertoire a new name, this Jesus you've heard of. This is what's going on here. This, again, is also kind of comical. These seven Jewish exorcists come to town, and they're going to they're gonna get to work. This is kind of funny, like, that this is their job. Um, I have a feeling that things were not going well for them on eHarmony, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> occupation, ghostbuster, exorcist, spiritual, you know, that's paranormal, that's, that's we're, we're really good at it. They're kind of an odd group here, okay? Here they come. Let's see how it goes. It says in verse 15, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul, I recognize, and this is where things took a turn. But who are you? All right, this is seven on one, folks. This is seven on one. And what does it say? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. I would love to just be standing outside the house. In they go. 
And out they run, bloody, who knows what they're wearing, screaming. And there's one guy in there with one demon who just took it to him. The sermon this morning is called Magic Miracles and MMA. Mixed martial arts, right? There's a fight, seven on one. The demon has no trouble overpowering them. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. So what do we learn here? The contrast, the contrast. Paul sends his handkerchief and the demons have to go seven on one, and they run away bloody, beaten, and and naked. What does that teach us? Please see the point here. Without Jesus, you're spiritually powerless. You're spiritually powerless. You have no power in the spiritual realm without Jesus Christ. This is terrifying. Spiritual warfare is real, and it happens every day. There is war in heaven, and demons are fallen angels. Satan is their leader, and Satan comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Satan wants to destroy your life, your marriage, your kids, your finances, your church. He wants to ruin it all. He doesn't usually send talking demons, very rare. Spiritual warfare all usually takes on a very subtle form. Christians cannot be possessed by demons, but we can be harassed, we can be tempted and tested. So you shouldn't take from this sermon, I'm going to watch out for those talking demons. Yeah, do that. But um, the anatomy of temptation is... There's bait, something you need. There's a disguise, it suddenly looks good and appealing. And then there's a push or a pull towards it. If you don't understand the anatomy of temptation, you're a sitting duck. There's bait, something you need, something you need that's good, that looks appealing. There's disguise, it actually looks like a really good idea. Seems like a nice person. Disguise, disguise. And then a push or a pull into something that's sinful or seductive. That, that's the fundamentals of spiritual attack. You are tempted. In the end, you do something evil, and you often think that there's, it's no big deal. There are also times where you are spiritually attacked or tempted in a special way. This is where the volume on everything in your life just seems to get turned up, and there just seems to be more going on, and you have to step back and realize this room is wired to explode. This is spiritual attack. More often than not, that's the way it happens. But there are talking demons, and it is terrifying, and there's war in heaven. I've never talked to a demon, but one of our previous elders has. He had a neighbor whose daughter, I think it was, was possessed, and mom invited him to come over to pray, and the demon talked, and it was really creepy. Said, you have no power here, she's mine. That's creepy. It's very real. In media, in movies, in television shows, paranormal exorcisms are very popular and profitable. In 1973, Christmas Day, the movie The Exorcist came out and changed the world. Because suddenly Hollywood learned that there's a big market, apparently, for Christmas Day horror movies where people's heads spin around. Exorcist. Maybe you're afraid of demons and possession maybe you have people or you yourself have experienced this directly and i want you to know the point here is without jesus you are spiritually powerless you are spiritually powerless 
That doesn't mean you're going to have a demon and you're going to talk like one, but what that means is without Jesus, you are utterly defenseless, completely defenseless in the spiritual realm. You have no strength. Write this down. Notice the contrast between Paul and the Jewish exorcist. Paul's an ordinary tent maker, not a magical person. Big guns arrive, the Jewish elite, and they can't do anything. The Bible says Christians have all power in the spiritual realm in Christ Jesus. So check out these verses. We'll put them up on the screen. It says this. 1 Peter 3.22, Christ has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers that that encompasses all demons and, and powers and principalities in the spiritual realm, having been subjected to him. He owned them on earth. He owns them in heaven. Ephesians 6, 11 to 12. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Put on the whole armor of God. That means get saved, and that means walk with Christ. Notice the contrast between Paul and the Jewish exorcists. That carries over into you. If you are a Christian in the room today, you can be fully armed for the battle that is waging in the heavenly realms. If you are not a Christian today, you have no power. Write this down. Powerful demons were powerless before Christ. Powerful demons were powerless before Christ. Paul sent his apron. The evil spirit had to go. Powerful demons are powerful. Do you remember the story when Jesus came upon the demon-possessed man who lived in the graveyards? Many times they tried to chain him and shackle him, and he broke the chains. Here and in the New Testament, we see that spiritually evil beings can give tremendous physical strength to somebody. And when Jesus said, get out, a legion of demons had to leave that guy. And it said he was then clothed and in his right mind, and all those who knew him before were terrified. Because Jesus commands the spiritual realm. Powerful demons were powerless before Christ. Demons are terrifying, and Jesus terrified demons. What does that tell you? Fear him. This uh, principle plays out on the mission field. We have known for a long time a missionary family named the Dawsons. Mike Dawson told a story of when his parents, back in the 50s or whatever, came back to a primitive jungle in Venezuela. The witch doctors chant every day. They connect to their evil spirits every day. And Mike's parents brought back a record player, and they started playing Christian music there in the jungles. Probably the Gaithers or something. I don't know. Something <laughs> starts going on. And uh, the, there's a knock at the door. And they opened the door, and it was one of the witch doctors. And he said, um, can, can you turn that down? And they said, well, why? Well, our spirits won't come when you're playing that music. They're at the edge of the jungle pretending to throw up and convulse, so can you turn it down? And he said, no, you should go chant louder. And then he turned it up. It's an anecdotal story. But it aligns with the principles we find in Scripture. Jesus is stronger. Write this down. Do you believe Jesus is the risen Lord? That's the whole point. 
The whole point is the spiritual realm is full of darkness and you need Jesus to save you. Maybe you have or are experiencing some direct encounter with the demonic, dark, spiritual realm or you know somebody who has. Jesus can set you free. Only Jesus can set you free. Maybe you think, this is all mumbo-jumbo, I don't believe in demons, blah, blah, blah. You are under the authority of the prince of darkness. And the fact that you don't understand that right now is, well, right where he wants you. Sometimes people describe hell as like the best concert they've ever been to. All of my favorite bands are going to be there. It's going to be rock and roll. Uh, You're going to spend eternity with demons. All of them. Is that what you want? Only Jesus can set you free from that. Let's think clearly on these things. Number one, miracles authenticated the message and messengers of Jesus. Number two, without Jesus, you're spiritually powerless. Number three, write this down. So repent of all spiritual compromise. Repent of all spiritual compromise. Well, this was quite a tale. And seeing seven Jewish exorcists running naked and bloody down the street, well, word got out that something had happened. Here's a picture of Ephesus. Ephesus was known for being a center of magic. There were Ephesian letters you could buy. Very expensive, very expensive to buy a spell, to buy some sort of a trinket, a charm that could give you the edge in the spiritual realm. Very costly to bring a magician in to to get him to curse your enemies. Well, it was going on all over the city, all over the city. There was magic, mysticism, So Ephesus heard about all of this and amazing things started to happen. So it says in verse 17, this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. This is an amazing story. Wow, we're in big trouble. 50,000 pieces of silver roughly would be about... uh, 50,000 days wages. So if you calculate the average day wage today in the United States and you multiply it by 50,000, we're talking a guess, you know, it's just a guess, but a guess would be $16 million worth of magical artifacts, books, spells. Imagine if here in this congregation we had uh, $15 million worth of magical stuff that all of you were still holding on to, right? Imagine, imagine. And then this story happens of these Jewish exorcists and Paul's healings. What, what do we conclude happened here? Well, these people knew they were in big trouble. We don't know why, but either they realized they were using their magic to provoke these demons, like our, our little magic is going to get them mad and they're going to beat me up and send me naked streaking down the street. You know, my magic is provoking them and I'm in trouble with the demons. Or... Uh, Jesus is stronger, and I'm inviting his wrath, and he's stronger than them, right? Either way, they knew they were in big trouble, so they were done with it. They were done with it. They were done with it. 
People would cast spells for a variety of reasons back then. Maybe to get rich, to stay rich, to ward off sickness, harm their enemy, to gain the favor of the gods, to learn the future. And today, people use magic they use to try and do the very same thing. The very same thing. And we need to repent of all of this because it's spiritual compromise. You may say to yourself, people so crazy back then! $16 million of magic stuff? People back then were crazy. Hey, listen, I got news for you. People today are crazy. They're really into this stuff, okay? Do you Here's a picture. Do you remember Buffalo Hat Guy who stormed the Capitol with uh, all the other folks? Remember him? Here's an interview with him. Here's what he thought he was doing in the Capitol. Check it out. Let's talk about the spiritual aspect of what you do. And you'll probably do a little bit here before we get kicked off today. Sure. So um, what I do is I practice something known as shamanism. And in shamanism, they sing, they dance, they drum, and they inform the community. They dress up in a way that chases off evil spirits. The singing and the drumming is about chasing off evil spirits because uh, sound actually precedes electromagnetic activity. So when you sing and you drum, especially when you do so really loudly, you end up affecting the quantum realm. And this has been being done for thousands of years to ward off evil spirits, ward off negative timelines, and to basically bring positive energy. So part of the reason why I dress this way is because if we were going to have have like a uh, infiltrator or something like that. They'd be a witch. They'd be a sorcerer or something like that on the dark side. So I practice life magic. I practice the light side or the positive side of shamanism. And when they see me, they go, "Oh, yeah, we got a we got a big fish out here." Hey, okay. Some people went to the Capitol to overturn the election. Others were affecting the quantum realm with their magic. <laughs> Folks, that's today. All right, that's today. So we have to repent of all spiritual compromise. Write this down. Here's some key takeaways. Don't misuse the name of the Lord Jesus for selfish reasons. These Jewish exorcists were like, and in the name of Jesus, and they got whooped for it. You can't misuse the name of the Lord Jesus for selfish reasons. The name of Jesus stands for the person and power of Christ. Okay, it's a, it's a stand-in. It's called a metonym. It's, it's not just the name. It's the name stands for, the part stands for the whole of the person and power of of Jesus. So, Lord, I lift your name on high. You're not just lifting the name on high, you're lifting the Lord on high. We have to think clearly about this. And the name of God in the Old Testament was a really big deal because it stood for the person and power of God. Third commandment, right? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Huge deal when God revealed his name to Moses. Jesus said, I am I, before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus took the name of God on himself. So the name of Jesus is divine, and there's a warning here not to use the name of Jesus in a mystical or magical way. This, of course, ties into the church. The name it, claim it, churches are misusing the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I'm claiming this. You're misusing in a magical, mystical sense to get your selfish, often materialistic dreams coming true. You're misusing the name of Jesus that's not the way it works. There is no magical power, there is no mystical power in saying the name of Jesus, and it will not make you get rich, and it will not keep you safe, and it will not keep you healthy. That's not the way the name works. It's a misuse. So watch out for people who claim to wield spiritual power in the name of Jesus. Watch out for people today who claim to have power on par with the apostles. People talking about raising the dead, people talking about healing, everything. Watch out. Those people are not telling you the truth. 
There are no apostles today like those the Lord Jesus appeared to. People who tell you they have that power are misleading you. Watch out. Don't be drawn in by anyone who claims a greater power than you. Because the same power that was found in the Apostle Paul is yours in Christ Jesus. It manifests itself differently, but you're lacking nothing. You don't have to go find a faith healer. You don't have to go find some wonder worker. You don't need that. Don't chase that. And we don't find a picture in Scripture that we're supposed to chase supernaturalism. That, that that's what's missing. We need, we need more of that in the church. That's not what we find in Scripture. What really matters is daily hearts changing in Christ Jesus. People who understand that all of the wonderful works that happened showed that God is with us. And we're settled in his presence. Don't misuse the name of Jesus for selfish reasons. Write this down. Get rid of anything that connects you to the darkness. Get rid of anything that connects you to the darkness. They burned their books, their spells, their trinkets, their amulets, because it connected them to the darkness. When I was a kid, I went to the Palis Hills Library. Uh, some of my friends were getting into witchcraft. I stole a witchcraft book from the Palis Hills Library. We started messing around with it. My friends had a tree house. We were doing witchcraft in a tree house. The candles and the whatever. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just playing with fire. And uh, some terrifying things happened and we ran for our lives and stopped messing around with it okay and there is a power that you can access so you have to get rid of it maybe you're playing with fire or you have or you know somebody who is there are black and white no-nos like ouija boards tarot cards palm readings energy psychic stuff uh repent of all of that Repent of all of that. Why? Well, because it's sinful and all of those powers that you're messing with are under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you don't need them and it's an affront to him to use them. There are some gray areas. Don't get legalistic with this. Sometimes people get legalistic. You shouldn't read this book. You shouldn't watch this movie. You shouldn't play with that. They get legalistic. But remember, in gray areas, it's up to you, your conscience, right? So... Should we read a book where there's a wizard? Well, the Lord of the Rings has wizards. Uh, so does Harry Potter. These are fairy tale stories of make-believe worlds. It's called a gray area. It's not meant to be dogmatic, okay? But if something tempts you to use magic in the real world, then it's leading you down a bad path. It's called a gray area. So you should use your judgment, and you shouldn't police other people and tell them what they should or shouldn't do. It's called a gray area. For example, Pokemon's a gray area. Pokemon characters and cards and cartoons are based on ancient Japanese spirits. Demons. So, does that mean if I play with them that a demon's going to come into my house? No, but it's pretty creepy to know that a Venezuelan witch doctor who can't read English saw a book of Pokemons and could tell you who they are and what they could do based on the fact that he used to work with demons in the spiritual realm. That's creepy, unexplainable. That's creepy and unexplainable. And it's things like that that might give you pause to have anything that connects you to the darkness. Sometimes the church is the problem, selling magical items or artifacts or pictures or saints or, or things. You don't need magical things from the church. You don't need any magical statues from the church. Okay, people do crazy stuff, burying statues in the yard, and it, it doesn't work. Okay, get rid of anything that connects you to the darkness. 
I would say three helpful questions you could ask would be, are you seeking spiritual guidance in a way that is questionable or wrong? Horoscopes, astrology, energy. Are you seeking guidance in a way that is spiritually wrong? Second question, are you finding pleasure in something that is spiritually dark? A book, a TV show that's demonic, that is sacrilegious, that is blasphemous. Are you seeking pleasure in that, a dark pleasure? Are you seeking protection from something that's spiritually questionable, meaning you have something and you think it protects you? Listen, folks, get rid of anything that connects you to the darkness. Get rid of anything that connects you to the darkness. And last, have no fear because Jesus rules heaven and earth. Have no fear because Jesus rules heaven and earth. Oh no, I did yoga last week. What does that mean? Am I going to be possessed by a demon? Have no fear. Have no fear. I'm going to Fright Fest this weekend. There's going to be vampires there. Have no fear. Have no fear. I lock my doors and hide in my basement on Halloween. Have no fear. Have no fear. Turn to the person next to you and say, have no fear. Have no fear. Have no fear. Believe that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is over every single power on earth. Hey, miracles authenticated the message and messengers of Jesus. Without Jesus, you're spiritually powerless. Repent of all spiritual compromise. And based on these unbelievable things we've heard today, let's pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Jesus, as we close out this message, we have learned today just how powerful you are. How powerful you are. It was your power that was flowing through Paul. It was your name that sent ripples through this entire magical city. And the people in this city feared you. Lord, I pray today that if there are any here today who had never nailed down who you are, that they would right here, right now, understand that you are the most powerful, glorious person in heaven and on earth. You deserve their worship and praise. And without you, they stand condemned. They have nothing protecting them from the darkness. And they have nothing to save them from hell. Lord, I pray that right now there would be some out of love for you or fear who would say, Jesus, save me. I believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Save me from sin, death, Satan, hell, forever. Save me, Jesus. Lord, I pray for any who, who are, who have been, or who know people who have been directly spiritually oppressed. I pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they would be set free. Pray that they would understand that this power still flows from heaven. That they would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and be set free. And Lord, I pray for anyone here who's afraid, struggling, sick, may they rest because you are so mighty, you are so good, you are so powerful. May they humbly rest at your feet, knowing that you are Lord of heaven, Lord of earth. May they greatly extol the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may your word continue to prevail mightily in our generation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.